This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and cents on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Cents, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Sim Wee Boon. Last week, I spoke to Danny Wong, CEO of Eureka Capital, a licensed fund management company, and Stephen Yong, founder of MyPF.My and a licensed financial planner with Wealth Vantage Advisory, on our BFM's Ringgit and Cents webinar, Stocks, Funds, and ETFs, What's Right for Me. We discussed a variety of topics on investing, determining what's the right asset class for you, the differences between passive and active investing, and also got some tips on stock picking, as well as a forecast into how the markets might fare moving forward. Here's some key highlights of the conversation, beginning with my question for Stephen on why is investing important. Let's kick off with my first question. Why is investing important? Stephen, you're the financial planner here, so why don't you start? So the thing is, as we actually look at our life, all of us, we have our own goals, our own dreams, what we want to achieve, the things we have set out to do, and the things we want to do for ourselves and our loved ones. But the thing is that there's so many priorities, so many goals, but all of us have to recognize that we have limited resources in itself. So it's really about how do you use the resources that we have? That means the income that we get, all this income, cash flow, active income that you get from your work. How does that all translate into building up to make yourself financially independent, to help yourself achieve all the goals that you desire? So it's actually a matter of taking that time to really plan out your journey of how you reach financial independence, where you can ideally just from your investments alone, cover all your living expenses and more than that. Well, basically, you can choose to fire your boss if you want to or, you know, pursue a career where, you know, financial remuneration isn't the, isn't the key thing. And investments is really that key to help you unlock just all that. Uh, Danny, what about you? Why is uh, investing important to you? I totally agree with what, what Stephen has said. Uh, but on top of that, I think we have to be mindful about in, uh, inflation. Putting your money under the pillow, it doesn't help. Not only that, your, your money is, it will shrink over time. So putting all the money into your, your low savings account uh, also uh, uh, a risk to you, right? On top of that, I think I totally agree that life is about happiness. Don't try to do everything for your, uh, on your own. Sometimes you have to really uh, look for professional to help you on this path, which is uh, uh, less emotion and will be more uh, time and, and productive by engaging them. I think the other point, uh, I totally quite agree as well. Investment, nowadays, it's got to be very important to you as a second income stream. You know, nowadays we have gone through about two years of lockdown. Sometimes we may be affected of our income, our primary income may be distorted, but at least you have the investment income to help you out and to hedge your, 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 your cash flow at times. Now, let's anchor this conversation on these two key pillars, uh, active and passive investing. Um, Danny, why don't you start, you talk to us about the difference between active and passive investing. Passive investments are investments that actually one hold it without uh, intention to do more frequent trading or buying or selling. So one of the examples is actually investing in ETFs that track certain uh, uh, common benchmark or index where you just write on it, for example, you know, you want to buy ETF on S&P 500 index, which is in US, then you track on it and for long term. Uh, the opposite of it is actually active investment. Active investment are investment that takes um, a hands-on approach where it requires someone to act 
you know, to make active research, for example, uh, asset allocation and, and security selection along the development of market condition. You have to be very aware of the market dynamic. You know, uh, for example, company announced uh, results, you know, whether uh, certain government policies, for example, inflation rate and whatnot. So you have to take into consideration all, all this. Active investment requires a lot of resources. So the goal of active investment is, is just to beat the market average rather than tracking the, the, the index. So usually uh, we, we look for delivery uh, of, of, of alpha, or we call it excess return over passive investment. So you need a very deep analysis and expertise to know uh, when to you know, uh, pivot into into a particular stock or bonds or any other asset class. Mm, and we'll get into that a bit. But um, Stephen, I want to ask you now, you know, how do I determine what's right for me, you know, active or passive? Uh, mu- must you even choose between the two? That's a very good question there, Steve. So the truth is that all of us have choice and all of us, we are all uniquely, individually created. So with that, it's readily recognizing that what are your interests, what are your strengths? Hey, if you're someone who hates looking at, at numbers, even logging in to look how your investments are doing, and you know that to you is the worst thing that you could possibly spend your time, that's probably a sign that active investing isn't probably the right fit for you. But if it was something that, hey, you love looking at companies, you wish that, oh, you know, I've seen this company, um, I won't name names, but you know, you're excited about this company, maybe renewable energy or disruptive technology or you know, in various other areas and you're just so excited, you want to be an owner, you want to be part of it or you want to be you know, even semi-passive investments like property for example, you want to be a property owner, property landlord. So it's really a mix. So there's really no one size fits all. It's really recognizing what your key areas are. And the thing is, again, we started off talking about limited resources and time itself is a limited resource as well. There's no way as an individual investor say that you can do research for 50 plus individual securities or stocks and try to just keep track of everything, you know, unless that's your full-time job, it's just not going to happen. So for most people, it's really picking up battles, knowing, okay, which are the active investments, if any, that you want to focus on and which ones you can actually focus, letting be more passive, letting professionals actually work on your behalf to actually gain you that alpha and that returns that Danny talked about. Okay, so now let's focus on passive investing. Let's start with funds. Danny, how does one go about picking the right fund for them? There are many types of funds uh, available here and beyond Malaysia also there are others, right? But just very commonly uh, available in the market is actually the equity equity funds that invest in equities. But within the equity fund itself, there are many types, for example, growth fund, which is uh, you know, talking about slightly longer term to to garner something beyond the ordinary returns, right? But you have to accept the risk, high risk, high return. There are also dividend funds, for example, which is income, I know, derived from the buying into the dividend stocks. You have also equity that tracking the index, which is, for example, uh, for example, some Malaysia, just, you just buy on the key stocks. Uh, there are also other equities funds, which is like small caps, you know, big caps, whatnot, you know. You have others. Now, beside the equity funds, you have bond funds, for example. Now, bond funds, unlike equity funds, which is looking for capital appreciation or some kind of a regular returns from dividends. Bond fund is more like, you know, you're buying something that steady AD, right? Not fluctuation, not that much, right? And, and that uh, capital preservation is actually more important than the equity funds. Right. And on top of that, you want to look at long-term bond fund or short-term bond fund, or you may have even junk bond fund, right? So look at high yield. 
and you can also look at lower uh, volatility fund like you know cash fund, money market fund, and on top of that you can buy any other like structured funds as well. You know, so you can have those those things. There are many types of funds in Malaysia, including ETF fund, including robo advisory fund, including of all kind of fund. They are now coming up with a lot of the different categories of fund. Yeah. Okay. So you know there is so many funds out there, but Stephen, investing in funds, they. It's not that easy, you know. There are some things that you need to be aware of, like fees, you know, front end load management fee. I mean, can you talk to us a bit about the considerations that you should make? What should you be aware of when you want to invest in these many, many type of funds? Sure, fees, as you mentioned, is one of the things to look at, but not the only thing, of course. So the realization that fees does eat into your returns, and even if a difference of that is one, two, three percent in fees, although may seem small, but if over a long period of time, it can make a significant difference as well. So ideally, of course, in a perfect world, if everything else was equal, you would want to look at basically what would be the lowest fee option available. But with that, you need to recognize as well that not all funds are created equal. Different funds will have different structures and you mentioned as well, front end load, you know, whether you have to pay sales charges when you enter, is there an exit fee when, when you exit as well, what about management fees, so all that does add up. But it's really recognizing really of matching your goals and how your ideal asset allocation should be. So Danny earlier talked about you know whole long list of, of funds, even for myself, you know, if you ask me to recall what Danny just mentioned, you know, that's a whole long list, you know, it sleeps my mind as well. But, but basically it's just knowing that there are actually five major asset classes. The first would be cash, cash equivalents. This includes things like the money market funds that, that, that Danny talked about, you know, includes more traditional things like, you know, uh, fixed deposits and so forth. There will also be then bonds, whether you do bond funds, whether you buy direct bonds or fixed price, uh, fixed price funds. Uh, third would be equities. And again, there's various ways, whether you stock pick, whether you invest locally, overseas, where you do ETS, whether directly use uh, discretionary portfolios, use robo-advisories to get ETS and unit trust exposure. There's again so many options. Fourth would be properties, whether you do REITs, whether you buy physical property, commercial property, land, uh, etc. Fifth would be alternative investments, and that's you know your gold, your crypto, peer-to-peer financing, equity crowdfunding, private equity, and so on and so forth. So it's really recognizing that you need all five of these major asset classes, and how do you actually put it together, and what would be then the best way for you to actually structure that in terms of both uh, returns, um, performance, and how I think increasingly as well, just this really important point is how well managed these investments are. So gone are the days where you know you just buy a fund, you know, just because it's all oh, its past five, ten years historical performance was was really good and expect it to do well into the future. That that just doesn't work anymore in, in today's dynamic world that we're in. So you need portfolios that are smart. That means either the portfolio itself or you have an advisor, someone who's actually managing your portfolios for you and making those strategic changes over time. So as an example, REITs or equities, one year it can be the best performing, the next year it can be the worst performing. And if you're not ready for it, you know, you might get a heart attack and we hear stories as well. People just get so afraid, they buy in at a high, you know, and, and then it drops and then they, they just panic. And it's, uh, so you definitely want to avoid that kind of scenario. We'll be back after some messages, but before that, did you know that there's so much more to cancer treatment than just tests, chemotherapy or even surgery? Join our Health and Living webinar where experts will discuss why cancer patients and their caregivers should prioritize emotional and financial well-being and how they can reach out for support. 
catch the webinar on tomorrow at 12 p.m. on Facebook Live. Head to the BFM's Facebook page for more details. This BFM Health and Living webinar series is presented by AIA, enabling healthier, longer, better lives. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ring It and Sense. I'm Simwee Boon. And on today's show, we'll be playing back some key highlights from my webinar last week with Danny Wong, CEO of Arica Capital, and Stephen Young, founder of MyPF.my and a licensed financial planner with Wealth Vantage Advisory. The topic was on investing. It was a part of the BFM's Ring and Sense webinar, Stocks, Funds, and ETFs, What's Right for Me. And now we continue our conversation on the benefits and drawbacks of passive investing. Okay, but what are the benefits and drawbacks when you talk about investing in funds? Maybe, Stephen, you can give some insight on that. So as we look at funds, what you're actually giving up, of course, is the individual control. That's one thing. That means you don't have that choice because you have actually delegated that choice to, to a professional, whether it's a, it's a robo-advisory kind of style or it's a team of people or hybrid of both, to actually make that investment decision or investment calls into what exactly is invested to. So you do get access to a mandate, uh, usually, you might have options where if, let's say, if it's a robo-advisory, there will be different risk profiles that you can select. Or if you look at the fund, you look at its prospectus or its fund fact sheet, you know, okay, what is the composition, how many percentage, you know, what are the ranges into equities, bonds, or into other other areas. But you are recognizing that you are letting go of that control, which you may or may not want to do, depending on your expertise, depending on how much time you have. So really, it depends on the individual. And the other one, as seem they pointed out, the drawback would be the fees as well. So DIY is generally the cheapest way because you are basically trading your time actually to do that research and that analysis. So the question is, if the amount that you're investing, is it worth your time and effort? Do you have that knowledge to actually make that investment or would it make sense for you to use a fund? Yeah, I think a key point when it comes to fees also, people have to realize is um, the fees you pay is still going to be that set rate despite whether the fund loses money that year or not. So you have to realize that. But I want to move this conversation now to this, something that's somewhat new in the world of passive investing, which is, as you've mentioned earlier as well, robo-advisors. Um, Stephen, let's get your thoughts on uh, robo-advisors and how they fit into someone's investment plan. So robo-advisors, it is relatively new. So basically what robo-advisors do is that they basically help you to manage a portfolio of different funds, typically into exchange-traded funds. Uh, some do have some exposure into unit trusts as well. So you are basically selecting based on a risk profile. Some robo-advisors allow you to go through some questions to help you determine your risk profile. They would have some projections. They make investments easier as well in the sense that it's more visual because they're very tech-focused. The amounts to invest as well start very small as well. So most robo-advisors in Malaysia start from as low as 100 ringgit. So it's a very easy way for people to start investing. And with that, a single 100 ringgit, you're not just buying one ETF, which is already diversified. You're buying a portfolio of different, different ETFs. So you're talking about fractional investing into various different ETFs. So it helps to build up a portfolio quickly and easily. The fees as well tend to be a little bit on the lower side because they leverage on uh, technology. Still, with that being said, you need to be looking at robo-advisors. So robo-advisors can feel as well. There was actually, with uh, last year, where we saw when the pandemic actually hit, there was actually a robo-advisor with our neighbours down south in, in Singapore where a robo-advisor actually closed, closed down as well. So that was actually an, an effect as well for investors. So it's really recognising how much is the allocation into a single robo-advisor. And it probably doesn't make sense to put 100% of your investments in the robo-advisor because you're not getting the proper asset allocation. 
what if you know your direction is not exactly aligned with the robo-advisor because it's not personalized, it's not customized to you. What we are seeing though, especially overseas in the States, and we believe that this trend will actually come to Malaysia as well, is that robo-advisors are moving away from being just pure robo-advisors but working together with financial planners. So you have that robo-advisory and you have your financial planner to help you to structure maybe not just one robo-advisory, maybe multiple robo-advisories, multiple portfolios, multiple funds, things that aren't available on robo-advisors as well, putting it all together to make your own personalized investment plan. Yeah, that's interesting because now I want to move this to our conversation to Danny, who, you know, you're a fund manager and how do you view this and how do you maybe, as Stephen has said, approach working in a world where the robo-advisors are starting to become a norm? Yeah, I see the very positive development here. There are some saying that this is a very disruptive to fund manager with the robo introdu- introduced to the world. Uh, I totally disagree with this one because uh, we ourselves at Arika, we actually uh, uh, employ the strategy working along with the, with the robo because we have only two hands, two eyes, and we have a limited 24 hours. And we don't, cannot keep track of, for example, Bursa have 1,000 listed stocks. You know, in the world, there could be a mount millions of stock. It is impossible for us to hire uh, you know, a, a team of army to study all the stock in the world and just to come up with the global funds, for example. No. And what we do is actually, we, we have, for Erica, we actually employ a top-down approach where we have set the parameter for the funds. For example, you know, in view of current situation, we should be going aggressive. Then we should deploy more cash, like 80% into work. And then we should also, let's say, pick some good stock because you no know, things are still not certain. So, for example, in the parameter for dividend yield must be three percent, and this company must have a balance sheet strong balance sheet with cash at least thirty percent, and getting cannot more than uh, uh, one time, for instance. And from there, we key in all the parameter into the robot, and the robot will generate. And particularly now, it's actually machine learning robot, so they will generate and then test the idea and run the machine and have memory on this and learn according to the data and project the new things, what will happen to that. By then, they will screen out the investment and these are the investment, it's actually a list. And then the fund may decide, these are the list, shall we do this? If it's agree with that, it depends on the house. If they say, I just need 20 stock, just filter the 20 stock and then press a button, order. So it is our time and effort to screen the stock, but our idea of active management is still there. So it's a good combination of active management with robo there and then we will change accordingly so it works very well and it will that's why nowadays the, the, the performance is getting better and better with the robot but however the disclaimer is that the type of robot you must know uh, how do they work and how do they learn the machine and not just pure buy and hold and the other one is actually certain robot they are workable in certain market. We are moving our conversation now to active investing, which is in stocks and equities. This is where they come into play. Um, Danny, if I do decide to look into stocks, decide to stock pick, what should be my guiding principle? All right. I think, I think not everybody actually has this uh, skill or thing like that. But what you need to do, first thing, you have to understand yourself first. And it's just like know myself, my, my risk profile, my style, right? Second thing, you have to know the market, of course, overall. And then you have to spend time to really to do it. So when you pick stocks, you must, you must really know what you want, which stock actually suit your, your needs. And you don't, you don't need to know the 1,000 stock in hand. No, impossible. What you need to do is just study maybe 20 stocks 
and of which then you can pick a few that suits your needs and, and your style. For example, you are the person that your character, your personality cannot take, you know, sudden drop of 20%, you know. Then you should avoid those those uh, uh, high-risk stock or growth stock, for example. Then you look for dividend stock, which can give you 7% per annum on dividend or yield, you know, like REITs, you know. And then at the same time, over a long time, you can produce you some kind of capital appreciation, but steady AD, you know. So that, that kind of thing, you have to be really watchful of your own thing. Uh, but of course, you can make use of certain information in the, you know, available in the website even, you know, or, or you can Google it. In fact, uh, things like you can use metrics, you can use formula to track, you know, certain comparison, whether the stock is overvalued or undervalued. But one key thing is actually, even though you know this metric, it may not guarantee you it will make money. You have to really have to have the holding power just in case systemic risk happen. It's just like COVID-19 is a systemic risk that you diversify, it doesn't help you because even your whole 1,000 stock diversified very well, but when the pandemic come, everything come down. So you, have, you must diversify into different asset class while you can pick the stocks. So you must know that. But among the stock, your, your whole 1,000 stock doesn't mean you are diversified. No. Diversification in this case, diversify your risk away. So you must pick maybe five stocks, but this five stocks may have contra uh, rather very distinct features of risk that one down the other way hopefully will even out your downside and go up so you must really need to have that study you know? so by virtue of applying just for example a PE model doesn't work sometimes you have to look at the overall uh, picture before you look at individual stock but the Malaysian usually are just ignore those things and go straight to put stock that they like and hear say and survey buy and hope that tomorrow can be very rich. That's the wrong way to do things. And that's all the time we have for today's episode of Ringgit and Sense. If you want to catch the full conversation where Danny shares even more on active investing and provides some market outlook, look up the BFM's Ringgit and Sense webinar, Stocks, Funds and ETFs, What's Right for Me webinar video on the BFM Facebook page. It features the entire webinar conversation that I had with Danny Wong, CEO of Arica Capital, and Stephen Yong, founder of MyPF.my and a licensed financial planner with Wealth Vantage Advisory. Also, tune in again next week on Thursday for more discussions on personal finance. I'm Sim Weibun signing up for the morning run, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.